Good morning, everyone. Today is Monday, April 20th, and it is good to be back with you live here on Facebook. Uh, we are starting a new study today about heaven and hell, and uh, sorry that I have been unable to do this for the last two weeks or so. been uh, battling uh, some sickness. I uh, haven't actually been tested because they... Uh, Doctors don't want you to come in, but uh, who knows what I had. Uh, maybe someday I will figure it out. So, uh, But excited to be back with you today. So thanks for joining me. Uh, so I am broadcasting live on Facebook today, and I'm also recording this. Uh, this will be uh, a podcast later, so you'll be able to catch up on this later on your iTunes podcast. Uh, but so today we are looking at heaven and hell and uh, who goes where, and or I should say this week we are, who goes where and what heaven and hell like, what the, the Bible says about heaven and hell. So, so the, the question for the week is heaven and hell. What does the Bible say about heaven and hell, and who's going where? Uh, there's a lot of, there's certainly a lot of understandings of heaven and hell, uh, things that people believe to be true that aren't necessarily biblical, uh, things that people believe about others going, you know, going to a certain place. Uh, but what does the Bible say? So we're going to take a look at what the Bible says uh, this week. So what does the Bible say about heaven and hell? So first, let's go just go through and, and, and look at what Scripture says about what hell is like and then what heaven is like. So uh, so let's talk about heaven and hell. Heaven and hell are the, the Christian afterlife, right? So after you die, uh, what Christians believe, uh, if you go to heaven, what, what is it going to be like? And if you don't go to heaven, what is that going to be like? So uh, we have some, inf- I have some information that I hope you'll find interesting that I hope will be new for you, things that are new, things that you didn't know. So uh, we'll, we'll study, we will take a look at that. Have, uh, the Bible talks about heaven and hell, talks more about hell than heaven, specifically the New Testament. And so Jesus talks about hell. He, he, he really associates hell with a couple of different, well, I would say four different main things. Uh, number one being darkness. Darkness is consistently associated with hell. In Matthew, three times Jesus says that they'll be thrown outside into the darkness. Matthew 8, Matthew 22, Matthew 25. Jude 1 says that, uh, is talking about those who aren't going to be saved, for whom blackest darkness has been reserved forever. And Revelation 16 says, The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. So darkness then is associated with hell. Right now, Abiding Grace is kind of a, uh, we have a theme going called Be Light. Be Light, be that which you are. You are the light of the world. Uh, And the flip side of that is darkness and the works of darkness and the world in darkness. That is the world opposed to God. And and so then this part of hell is going to be a darkness, now a complete darkness, just a place where, you know, there's chaos because there's so much darkness. So hell is associated with darkness. Then so then heaven is the opposite. Heaven would be associated with light. Matthew 13 says, Jesus says, the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. So so if hell is darkness, heaven is light. Uh, if, if hell is chaos, heaven is order, right? 
because darkness represents uh, darkness represents chaos. Um, and uh, so, if you go back to the uh, beginning of uh, of Genesis, beginning of creation, there was chaos in the darkness. Um, and so, uh, okay, the second thing Jesus talks about: what are we going to do in hell? What are others going to do? We're not going to do anything in hell, but what are what are others going to do? Well, they're going to gnash their teeth. Have you ever gnashed your teeth? We um, were driving down the road the other day, just me, Michelle, uh, and Caroline in the back seat. We're just driving, eating, and all of a sudden, Caroline starts crying. Like, why is she? Well, she bit her tongue, right? Have you ever accidentally bit your tongue and just gone through it like, ah, or accidentally gnashed your teeth and it's just uncomfortable and it hurts. Uh, And that's what people are going to be doing in hell. They're going to be gnashing their teeth. That's what Jesus said uh, to describe, to warn people about hell. So Matthew 8, Matthew Matthew 13, Matthew uh, 22, Matthew 24, Matthew 25, Luke 13. Jesus used this phrase a lot that those in hell will be gnashing their teeth, which is a, a descri- Jesus's way of describing intense suffering. Gnashing your teeth over, just grinding your teeth together over and over again. That's the, the, uh, the, uh, the understanding of suffering is this gnashing of teeth. So then what's the flip side? What's the flip side of heaven? Uh, well, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, Paul writes, However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. So we've uh, used this verse a, a few weeks ago when we were talking about heaven to, with the Mr. Rogers um, theology. The, you know, just the, the most beautiful thing you've ever seen, the most beautiful thing you've ever heard, the most beautiful image you can come up with the most beautiful thing you're able to come up with. Heaven is better than that. Heaven is more pleasant than that. Heaven is more pleasant. It's more beautiful than anything you've seen or heard. And it's better than anything you could even think of. That's what heaven is going to be. Jesus said, Luke 23 verse 43, Jesus answered him. Truly, I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. So when we can, when we look at heaven, we can understand heaven as paradise. I don't know what paradise means to you. Scripturally, I think the first place you go is you go back to the Garden of Eden. That's what that was paradise, right? It was a place of rest, a place of refreshment, a place where everything that you ever needed was there. God was there. Uh, and so it's, it's almost like tranquility, you know, just harmony, peace. Uh, and so that's the understanding of paradise. It's, I mean, I, I think this needs to be said, and it needs to be said often, that heaven is not going to be about you. It's going to be about God. It's not going to be about what we want. It's going to be about what God wants. But the big change is going to be that we're going to want what God wants. We're going to want what God has to offer. And that's that's what heaven is going to be. Uh, the third thing that the Bible talks about when uh, referring to heaven is fire. Right? We've, we've all heard this image, right? This brimstone and fire uh would would love to hear hear from you in the comments so if some there's some other images that come to mind but this throughout scripture heaven uh, i'm sorry hell is associated with fire isaiah prophecies about it the fire that burns the them will not be quenched isaiah 66 
His unquenchable fire referenced in Mark chapter 9. And other places in the Bible reference the blazing furnace in Matthew, the eternal fire in Matthew. Revelation talks about fire and brimstone. And so hell is associated with darkness. It's associated with fire. Uh, you just gnashing of teeth and fire. You just don't want to go there. Uh, where heaven... Revelation 22, verses 1 through 2. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the middle of its street. On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. So the, the river of the water of life, clear as crystal. So if you have this image of fire, this unquenchable fire, Versus, um, versus heaven, this water of life, this river, this clear as crystal coming from the throne of God, just as this two, uh, the duality of images here, right? That's one is just a place you don't want to be around. And the other is just beautiful. It reminds me of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. I don't know if you've ever sat alongside quiet waters where water is just kind of slowly tumbling over rocks and just the sound of the quiet, slow water. You know, it's just, it's as peaceful as it gets. Uh, so there's the understanding of heaven, of this peaceful, tranquility, beautiful, and this hell that is gnashing of teeth and suffering and um, and then probably the most painful thing is the separation. So the fourth thing, the final thing we'll touch on is the separation from God and others. That Jesus doesn't just see there's a chasm in between. There's a, I mean, there's, there's a, a giant canyon between that you just can't get from one side to the other. Luke uh, 16 the time came, starting to go verse 22 through 26. The time came when a beggar died. This is the, the rich man and Lazarus. Uh, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus, who was the beggar, by his side. So he called to him and said, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the, the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Because I am in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place. So that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. So we get this sense that there's this giant separation, this separation between those who are in hell versus those who aren't in hell uh, versus, you know, those who are in hell and God. There, There's this place that we just can't cross where heaven is a place of unity. Romans 6, 5, for if we've been united with him in a death like his, we will also be united with him in a resurrection like his and go through the. All of Scripture, all of Scripture is about the work of God reconciling, reuniting, bringing people together. That's what heaven is going to be like. That's what God's going to do is unite people, bring people back together. And so 
uh, that is the work of heaven, where the, the hell is going to be a place of loneliness, a place of separation. Heaven is going to be a place of relationship, a place of unity, a place of, of being brought back together. And so that's something certainly to look forward to. So then is hell forever? Is it a place of, of eternal torment or not? Revelation talks about uh, the end of all things, right? Jesus returns, the Messiah returns, and then there's a thousand years of tribulation. And then in Revelation 20, it says, starting in verse 14, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found uh, written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation 21.8, but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the, the, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. That is the second death. So we get this sense that hell, hell is not eternal, but it's, it goes until Jesus returns, then a thousand years. And then there is a, an emptying out of hell where every, everything, everyone who's there is thrown into this lake of burning sulfur, which is the second death. It is the end. It is this uh, ceasing to exist. It's, there's almost mercy in that. So the lake of burning sulfur. Okay. So I think if you've heard what the scriptures we've talked about today, you've said, well, hell doesn't sound very good. Heaven sounds pretty good. I think I'd rather go there. So who gets into heaven and who doesn't? Heaven is a party that is invitation only. It is God's kingdom. And God can decide. It's only up, only God can decide who gets to come in. Only God uh, only God gets to decide, you know, who's welcome. Only God gets to do the inviting. So before we um, talk about that, let's talk about what the Bible says uh, about hell or what the Bible, what we think we're reading when we read the Bible. So it's, we read in the Old Testament and places in the New Testament where we think the Bible is talking about hell as a place of, of, of torment. That's not necessarily true. So the Bible uses three words for hell. And this is important because we're going to build on this going, uh, going on in the week. So the Old Testament understanding of hell, the Old Testament word for hell is sheol. You might have heard that word uh, pronounced S-H-E-O-L. The Old Testament Bible, many places it just translates this as hell. But that's not the right translation. It, it really means just a place of the dead, the place to which people descend at death. And um, it's, a, it's a better to understand it through the Greek, the Greek understanding of the land of the dead. Okay, so then in the New Testament, there's two words for hell uh, that are used that are sometimes translated as hell. One is Hades. Uh, Hades is the New Testament parallel to the Old Testament Sheol. So it's just a place, the land of the dead. And then uh, there's a, a the translation of the, the Greek word Gehenna. Gehenna, which in the New Testament world, it's an actual place. It's called the Valley of Hinnom. Uh, it's southwest of Jerusalem where for years, be years before the Jewish people moved into Israel, pagans lived there and they, uh, Deuteronomy and Leviticus talks about where they would sacrifice children, do all kinds of terrible things there. 
Later on, when the Jews moved in, they turned it into a dump and they burned trash 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so when people said, when people talked about hell, that was the image that they had, this constant burning, smoldering, festering, stinking place. So what we understand about the biblical understanding of hell or the land of the dead, when we say the Apostles' Creed, we say that Jesus descended to the dead, descended to the dead, which is the land of the dead. Okay, and we're going to talk more about this later on in the week, but it's important that we understand this distinction. So the, the land of the dead is like a state, right? It's like a, a, a state and hell, our understanding of hell, this Gehenna place is a place in that state. It's like a county or a city or whatever. So when we say descended into the dead, we say that Jesus descended into this over in this, this state or this country, whatever you want to do it. But hell is a place inside of that. Uh, and so when, when the Bible says Hades and Sheol, it doesn't necessarily mean punishment. It just means a place that you go, the land of the dead. A good, easy way to understand it is purgatory. You know, the Purgatory is a place, a Catholic understanding of a place where you would go and you would just go for a certain amount of years. It's not a place of torment or punishment. It's just a place of waiting. When, uh, when the Bible talks about hell, it doesn't... It, Lots of times it's translated as hell, but that's not what it's saying. Uh, so Hades uh, and Sheol are just the land of the dead, and Gehenna is this hell place within that land of the dead. Okay, so just want to make that distinction. So, okay, we don't want to go to hell. We want to go to heaven. What does the Bible say about who gets in? It is an invitation-only party. God gets to decide who's invited. Uh, we are going to go through this line by line. Who has God promised an invitation to? And what about everybody else? Uh, so we're going to go through this over the course of the next coming days. As we go through this, I want to just, let's be very clear that as we start talking about who is invited, the, the quick thing to do is because A is invited, that means B isn't. That's, let's not do that. So we're going to, as we go through, we're going to say, okay, A is invited, right? Well, it's, then we'll talk about B. What, what about B? What about C? Okay, because the Bible talks about one group or one people, uh, being promised a place doesn't necessarily mean that it's excluding others. So we're going to start that tomorrow. We're going to start tomorrow with John 3.16 and John 3.17. Uh, I think John 3.17 is as interesting and important as John 3.16. So so we will start there tomorrow. Who gets invited? And then we'll, uh, so we'll talk about believers. We'll talk about the people of Israel. We'll talk about people who were baptized who don't necessarily believe now. And then we'll talk about everybody else. So we will do that tomorrow. I hope you all have a wonderful day, and um, we'll close with a word of prayer. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for a vision of heaven, uh, for uh, the, an invitation for those who believe, for a for hope, for hope uh, for for our loved ones. And we pray that uh, uh, you would fill our minds with this hope, that you would help us to bring the your kingdom to this world and live in that kingdom now. Uh, we thank you for each and all your blessings and pray that you would be with us through this pandemic, that you would help all of our doctors and nurses and everyone who needs you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, have a wonderful day. See you right here tomorrow. Uh, who gets into heaven? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? That's what's important. So we will do uh, look at scripture tomorrow. Have a great day.